Welcome to the Elevated Performance Podcast. We are current physical therapy students dedicated to helping our listeners elevate themselves through school, business, and fitness. Let's level up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Elevated Performance Podcast. I'm Ryan Cruz. Tony Oluwata Fahinti. Trevor McCoy. So yeah, we got a special guest, a good friend of mine, Trevor McCoy, uh, decided to hop on and be a guest on our podcast. Um, so Trev, yeah, if you want, let's uh, tell people kind of where you're at, um, what you're doing, and um, yeah, get a, get, a, get, a, get a taste of uh, yeah, what you're doing. Yep. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, man, I'm... Uh, I'm happy to be a part of this podcast. Um, definitely want to just move the culture forward in medicine. So I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing this. Um, but like you said, I'm Trevor McCoy. I'm a third year at Wright State University. I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. Uh, made way to New York for a couple of years and then came down to Ohio because uh, of this opportunity. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this and swing away. Let's, let's get to it. The meat and bones. Let's do it. Alrighty, so yeah, let's. Uh, first question is uh, just how you got into uh, kind of medical uh, medical school and how, why you decided to uh, you know pursue the, a medical doctor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I feel like there was a, a bunch of little things that happened throughout my life um, that kind of, now that I look at it in retrospect, guided me into medicine. But it, it took not only a village, but it took a lot of experiences and a lot of failures. Um, so I would say in high school. I was really interested in going to the NBA. You know, I just didn't have my growth spurt like I should have. <laughs> but I mean, I say that because going in the sport route was what I saw a lot of people that looked like me being able to get out of Seattle and, you know, making it and being successful. Um, so in high school, I had tore my ACL three times um, out of the four years. I played basketball, football, track. Um, I realized that, you know, that wasn't going to go the way I wanted to. Um, and the doctor that actually did all my surgeries, you know, I started to begin building a relationship with him as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, Dr. Baronian in Seattle. Um, and he kind of was the first person who introduced me into medicine, but I still didn't think I was going to go into medicine um, just because I didn't see any black doctors, to be frank. You know, nobody that looked like me. I saw, you know, white men in, in coats and I, I didn't feel like my background really matched up with theirs. Um, so I went to college at Eastern Washington um, for two years. And honestly, the first year and a half, I took nothing but business classes. I thought I was going to go into business. Um, and I remember there was this one meeting uh, at Eastern where it was like, if anybody's a pre-med and interested in medicine, you know, round up. So I ended up going to that meeting um, and I kind of told them that I was interested in medicine. And I kind of saw people have scoffs on their face. Like they kind of like smirked and was like, oh yeah, he ain't going to get in. Um, and that kind of just lit the fuel on my fire. You know, I was like, Obviously, there's nobody in this meeting who really looks like me, um, and I'm ultra competitive, hyper competitive. So once I kind of saw people look at me like I couldn't do it, uh, really led me to like register for my first like biology class and chemistry class, and then I kind of just learned learned to love the grind from there, and um, it ultimately got me here. So awesome. That's cool. I mean, it's representation is extremely important as well. Yeah. I feel the same way within physical therapy. There really aren't that many, you know, black physical therapists. Mm -hmm. I knew of two black physical therapists. I met one before I got into school, mm -hmm. uh, and so having representation and having people who have achieved what you're wanting to achieve is really important to even believing you can achieve it. 
So I'm glad that you uh, you started this uh, this uh, three medical doctors kind of group. Can you tell us, tell us us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So 3MDs basically goes on that principles that you just said. Um, what 3MDs really stands for is obviously three medical docs, um, but it's three African American. Well, I'm African American and two Nigerian of my classmates, and we're all good friends. And we just realized that you know saying that there wasn't any black male representation in medicine was kind of a broken record. Um, and we really need to do something about it, right? And uh, we knew that our experiences were unique in a sense. Um, and with the age of social media and everything being at least like direct and firsthand, um, we just felt like it was our responsibility to put out our experiences and show basically you know, the world um, how we got into medicine and really just pay it forward um, because I know a lot of my mentors are the reason why I'm here today, right? They help guide me to where I am. Um, and it was just a, a lot of bumps and bruises and failures throughout the way. And I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't share my failures and pass it on to the people who are trying to get to where I'm at right now, you know? Um, so I think 3MDs is, is something that just embodies that. We're trying to curate a bunch of collective experiences, not only of ourselves, but um, a lot of minorities in the community to bring it all together full circle so people can see the representation because i always say um you can't really be what you don't see right so you can't really think of being a doctor especially a black doctor if you don't have black mentors um, who are physicians or in the fields or someone you could even look as an idol that's in the medical field that looks like you so i think um, we're trying to to push that narrative and, and show them that there are people who listen to hip-hop sneakerheads you know um you can do all those things and still get to where I'm at and don't have to be a bookworm from, from day one. You know, like I started late. I didn't know I wanted to get into medicine until first year of college. Um, and that's uh, really unique because a lot of my classmates were bred to know that they were going to become a doctor, right? Like since the day they were born, they're like, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, if you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer, you're going to be a successful businessman. Um, and my options weren't like that. You know, my, my mom didn't graduate from college until I graduated from college. You know, we graduated on the same day. Um, so just, just watching that experience, um, really propelled me. So. Yeah, Trevor, I 100% agree with everything you said. Um, you said you're two, two other hosts of Nigerian. I'm actually, um, Nigerian myself, but my parents are, uh, what are, what are their, what are their names? You can, you can uh, plug them a little bit too. As well. sure. Um, so Derek and Kennedy, um, are host to, um, our YouTube channel and our, our social media page. So. Yeah, we're just trying cool. to curate a, a lot of different things. We stand on the principles of uh, motivation, financial freedom, and medicine, we're trying to bring all those pillars into one. So. Awesome. That's super cool. I like, um, you know, what you guys are doing. Um, I like the points you guys are bringing up. Uh, like Tony, and uh, like you said, you know, um, I'm a Pacific Islander, so uh, I'm a very uh, underrepresented um, um, culture in terms of uh, like medicine, the medical field. And just uh, being able to uh, push that narrative that, you know, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter. If you put in the work, you can do whatever you want. And that's something um, from a young age, I didn't, I, uh, I didn't like hear a lot. You know, I, I heard, you know, you're short, you're not going to play basketball. Um, <laughs> I had people like, I had some people close to me telling me like, you should just give up with stuff because it's not going to happen. And us being able to like put this podcast out and just like help motivate other people is uh, really just the main goal. And I, I just love what you guys are doing with that. That's super cool, man. Yeah. 
yeah, what you guys are doing is really important. Um, even if you don't see it directly, you never know like who you're gonna touch and like who, who's really listening. So I think this is a, a great thing you guys are doing for real. Can you tell us about um, where you started and um, kind of making a transition to where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, I pretty much told you how I got initially interested into medicine um, at Eastern Washington. Um, and when I decided I wanted to get into medicine is when I transferred to University of Washington, Bothell. Um, and that decision was really based on if I knew I wanted to get into medicine, I needed to go to a school that had resources to get there. You know, um, I felt like UW was a, a bigger school and it had a direct tie to, you know, a medical school. So I felt like um, going that route was going to be best for me. So I transferred to UW, um, took all those classes that I needed to, um, applied the first time to medical school and didn't get in. Um, and based on that, I, I worked for about six months and I really tried to plan like, what am I going to do now? You know, I, I really didn't know what my, my, my life was going to look like. I didn't think people didn't get into medical school the first time. You know, I just thought it was very niche, um, which I, I realize is uh, false now. Um, but after, after that six months, um, I decided I wanted to go to a master's program and just get away from Washington and really get back on the grind. So I ended up applying to Toro uh, Medical College. They had a master's program there. Um, and if you got in the top 30% of the class, um, that you would get a seat into the next year in medical school. Um, so I ended up doing that, um, did well, got in the top 30, um, ended up getting into that next medical school class. Um, and while I was there, one of my good friends that I went to high school with, uh, Carlos Green, he was going to Cornell uh, Medical College. Um, and I, I told him like, I wanna get into surgery, like this is the type of career I wanna have. And he was like, yo, man, congrats getting into school. Uh, Toro's a deal school, by the way. Um, and he was saying, uh, like, not that deal schools are bad, because they're not. Um, but a lot of MD schools have more resources than DO schools, right? Just because um, a lot of them are linked to like academic hospitals. Um, so he told me, man, listen, you might want to go to an MD school. And I was like, man, I'm already in a you know, DO school. I'm, I'm finally here, I'm first year of college. Um, uh, and I, he kind of pushed me into like reapplying. So while I was going through my first year, I had reapplied to medical school and went to Wright State, which is MD school. Um, I got in, when I found out I got in, the year had already been over. Um, so then I had to technically drop out and then apply or just move to Ohio I and mean, transition that way. So uh, yeah, it was a long road. Real quick for some of the listeners that may not know, what is a DO school? Yeah. Um, so a DO is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. DO and MD to me are essentially the same thing. They still practice medicine and still have the same classes and everything. Um, but what a DO of osteopathic medicine uh, really represents is kind of that holistic view of medicine. Um, a lot of their medicine includes like what, you know, physical therapy does, a lot of manipulations. Um, you know, with MD, um, if you have a a sprain or something, usually the first thing is, you know, medication or uh, things of that nature. But what DOs do is they try to use uh, muscle manipulation um, in order to correct that first before they move on to the next process. And I think that at least having that first year of DO um, school really like helped me have a, a setting foundation for, you know, uh, the position I'm at now. So, um, so you, you, you had a unique, you know, um, maybe non-traditional way kind of going through school what advice would you give people applying to medical school? Because I have a little sister who just finished undergrad. 
she's going to be applying soon. So I'm going to have her listen to this part right here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like I can go on hours with this one. Um, obviously, the, the first thing is, I, I know you've heard it, but it, I feel like people need to hear it again is literally do not give up. You know, I, I don't think I told you, but I applied three times. Um, first time I didn't get in. The second time, um, I also didn't get in. Then when I went to the Toro and applied again, then I finally got in. Um, but one of them is just not to give up, but also uh, start building a foundation of like who you really are. Um, I think if you've done that and you're at the point where you feel like you really are comfortable with yourself and you know who you are, um, that's great. I just feel like um, when you read, I was on the admissions committee for Rice State um, as a student and just reading a lot of people's um, personal statements it kind of says similar things, you know, it starts getting into this uh, verbal a salad of like, oh, I just want to help people, you know, um, type of type of shindig. But the thing that really separates other people is knowing exactly why you want to get into medicine. You know, um, I think if you can find that out early, the better. Um, obviously, uh, setting a foundation for yourself going forward with knowledge base. Um, but a lot of the knowledge that you really learn is in medical school anyway. Um, and you know, I, I know we're gonna get a little bit more into that about like what first year entails. Um, but yeah, I, I would tell your sister, uh, start uh, setting a theme for like her, her medical school application um, and not just getting involved with a, a lot of organizations just cause you feel like it's gonna buffer your application. Um, you know, being a president of, you know, 10 different organizations because a lot of times they'll ask you like, okay, why did you do this? And if you don't have an answer that's genuine then you kind of like weed people out. You know them. Um, yeah, they just did it because they wanted to, you know, stuff their um, CV or resume. So um, third year, like what I'm in right now, uh, I'm transitioned out of the classroom and uh, I'm like in the hospital uh, full time for the most part, um, between eight to 12 hour days. Um, but yet and still, I still have to come back and study for like board exams. And sure. we still do have like virtual classes that we have to attend, which are called didactics. Um, that, that we are required to attend. So it's, it's like really balancing that, but at least the things that you learned in your first two years, you're actually seeing in, in real play. So I think that's one of the, the dopest things that I've, I've experienced in medicine so far. So then I guess coming off of what you were just saying, how do you stay motivated and like in the moment with all that intense workload that you're doing and going through? Yeah, um, I think when you're in medical school and you, like I'm transitioning to third year, you kind of see like why you're, learning the medicine that you are. I think the, the first two years don't really do justice because you're memorizing like blanket facts and diseases that you've never heard of and quite frankly, maybe have never seen. Um, but when you get into the hospital during your third year, you kind of realize a lot of things that I learned are what things are going through, right? Um, and the, the way I always think about this is like, if I would go to a grocery store or just even my, my daily life, the people that I encounter aren't really going to be sick. You know, like I don't see very sick patients or sick people, but I feel like the hospital in itself is like a whole different community. Like I've seen the sickest of sick patients. Um, I've seen patients die from uh, comorbid uh, diseases. Um, and I, seeing that allows me to know, okay, I need to study hard um, with the information I'm being given because this isn't just a random disease that I'll never see. Like this could potentially save somebody's life, you know? Um, and I think um, having that mindset in the first few years, even though you're not able to see it directly, um, I, I think will really help you learn for sure. And if you are able to get into the 
clinic your first two years and you want to shadow somebody, I think that would be ideal. I honestly think medical schools should um, allow at least second year students to, to get into the hospitals because um, obviously after board exams and everything, um, it, it's just too much information just to remember without seeing it, you know, so. Yeah, I kind of feel similar because in PT school, um, we went through our first year and a half before we actually were working out in the clinic. Yeah. So that first year and a half, you're just learning all these, you're doing the, you're learning all the information, learning all these diagnoses and how to treat them, but you're not actually treating those patients. Exactly. I know some schools do a better job of like integrating some clinical work. I think mm -hmm. Ryan's school does a better job of doing that yeah. earlier on. Mm -hmm. so you have that buy-in and that motivation of seeing it as you're learning it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's pivotal, man. I think that that's a game changer. Um, the the earlier you can get experience into to medicine, oh, I'm sorry. You good. Um, the earlier you can get this uh, experience into the medical field, uh, I feel like the the better you're gonna be set. And, and it just allows you to know, like I'm not just studying these this chapter or this whatever I'm studying just for the hell of it. You know, like I need to learn this because this could be somebody's mom that I have to to help cure. You know. For sure. Yeah, and I think um, I like what you guys touched, uh, talked about just uh, uh, medical and uh, physical therapy. It's uh, it's both hands on work. So the quicker you can actually get into that setting and uh, take what you've learned and apply it, I think it just um, it's it's very beneficial. And unfortunately, um, my program, we actually did have um, we were supposed to do a clinical experience um, early in our first year. So I think throughout this first semester. Uh, but because of COVID, uh, that was canceled. So uh, I don't think we're starting until uh, end of first year. But still, man, like as soon as uh, you can get hands on, I think that uh, that'll really help you apply that knowledge that you're learning in the classroom. For sure. For sure. So we know you are a, a recent father. So congrats yes, on what you're <laughs> Yeah. Um, you see bags under my eyes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? I knew it. Um, can you talk a, a little bit uh, just uh, how you uh, balance having, you know, a fiance, a new child and uh, the workload of medical school and like how you have a social life or an active life still? Yeah, um, man, without driving myself crazy, bro. Uh, <laughs> now, honestly, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever experienced is like, being a father. Um, you know, I grew up, I didn't really have a dad in my life. So I never really saw that that real example of like what a father should be, but I knew what, what kind of father I wanted to be, for instance. Oh, yeah. um, and even in medical school, man, there's really no time for anything else a lot of the times. Um, but I guess now when you have to make time, you know, you have to be more intentional with your time. So like, I know I want to be involved with obviously my fiance and uh, with my baby girl. So um Initially, I thought, you know, she would be on a sleeping schedule. You know, she'll go to sleep at nine and wake up at five. Obviously, I was uh, <laughs> very wrong about that. I'm really, on her schedule. Yeah, 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 no, <laughs> I'm really on her schedule. So um, I just realized, like, a, a lot of the things that in my life just have to shift, right? So, like, going to the gym, I can't have a schedule of, like, I want to go at five because at five, she may need to be fed or um, it's cranky and I need to stay, you know, and just, just help my fiance out. Um, so it's like when I had the opportunity to do something, I'm kind of more intentional with my time, right? So it's like, uh, if I need to study, I'm not spending 10 minutes on on YouTube, you know, looking at other things. Like, I know this 10 minutes is critical because I might not get these 10 minutes back, right? Um, in addition, like, I, I want to have days where I'm, I'm with my fiance, we can go on dates, you know, and you know, I can do special things with her without having to sacrifice uh, me working this hard to become a doctor, you know? So it's, it's really, 
uh, it's like the triage. You have to put what's most important, what's most important to you and kind of just uh, give time to that. Because with everybody, there's only 24 hours a day. Like I don't have 26, the next person next to me doesn't have 29. You know, we all got 24. So what you do with your 24 um, really depends on what you value the most. And um, my top three things is my family uh, and medicine. And then obviously, um, showing people like what I'm going through isn't uh, peculiar. Like there's people who've done this before me. I mean, just reaching out to them and letting them, letting them know, letting them know uh, <laughs> the path that I'm taking. So, you know, it's been beautiful though. It's been beautiful, very tired. Um, so I'm still <laughs> two months old, man. So I feel like a lot of times I'm daydreaming and sleepwalking for most of the time because I don't get no sleep, but. <laughs> Yeah, man, my hat's off to you. That's uh, that's that's crazy. And uh, I like like how you talked about um, just being intentional with your time, because um, like for me personally, um, uh, PT school it's been crazy. It's been a crazy uh, first semester, a lot of work. Um, but the thing I realize, um, you don't realize like um, like when I'm studying, if I got my phone next to me and I'm playing on Instagram and I'm in the room for three hours, did I really spend three hours studying? Or did yeah. I spend mm -hmm. 30 minutes studying and I messed around for the rest? So just being intentional with your time and uh, blocking stuff out has really helped me uh, in my like my learning and everything and just uh, being able to, to make time for the things that are most important. So definitely, yeah, be intentional with your time and um, yeah, have a schedule. I think, I think it'll be yeah. the best. Yo, man, like I was never one of those type of people that have a schedule like never really had like a to-do list I always like okay I know what I need to do I'm just gonna do it you know what I'm saying yeah um but like when you start having a lot more responsibilities <laughs> I realized like I had to like I got sticky notes everywhere like and I'll just cross them out um just because it does help you stay on track and let you know uh, what needs to be done and when you see a list of things that you need to get done like and you got a daughter it's like you have to get it done you know um <laughs> My daughter doesn't care if I'm tired and I didn't eat for you know 12 hours. Like she just wants to be held, you know, and yep. it's my job to do that. And if I want to do that and I need to do that, then I need to get my other stuff done too. So I feel like a lot of times through like the start of PT school, I spent a lot of time just procrastinating or on my phone while studying. And I became more efficient as I got along. Um, and if you want to get a little nerdy about it, right? You gotta have that intensity, you gotta have that salience, that importance to kind of create that neuroplasticity. That you yeah. want to memorize information mm -hmm. so you do need to be focused on what you're doing while you're doing it and put the phone away and then that takes that 10 minutes and then it's useful 10 minutes instead of a 10 minute uh i just read half a paragraph because i was on my phone at the same time yeah yeah i think what you just said was really important man it's like um if you're every grind needs a reward you know what i'm saying so i didn't want to talk about you have your three mds group I did want to talk a little bit about representation within the medical field, especially with African-American males. Um, with physical therapy, I mean, the percentage is anywhere from like 3% to 6% for African-Americans. I think it's, you know, it's less than half of that for males, just because it tends to be more female dominated. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel about the representation you've seen throughout your education in terms of like, you know, professors, mentors, um, and how that's affected you? Yeah. Um, so as far as like, first representation, I think that that's an, uh, a key because, um, as I said before, you can't be what you don't see, right? Um, mm -hmm. Love that, man. Uh, and then what going into this and 
for me, being a first generation student, um, not knowing really how to navigate this, I understand that um, there are many people like me who are in a similar position. And whether you're an African-American male or black male, female, or just a minority in general, um, I don't really take too much bias into that. Like I know that whether we're the same color or not, like there's a similar situations and similar backgrounds that can be, can be met. But I do see a need for, um, I was African-American males in medicine solely due to because um, there's a lot of African-American communities and minority communities that these doctors are gonna be treating. And I feel like there's a disconnect from the patients and the type of, uh, I guess, confidence that they have in their physicians if they don't really look like them, you know? And I've seen it firsthand with my father and my mother, like they don't really go to the doctor. Um, main reason because they feel like if they go, there's probably gonna be a man or woman that doesn't look like them who's just gonna really brush off anything that they're saying. I mean, I think that's a, a huge problem, but if um, you, you kind of have that similar background and you know what these communities and these families are really going through outside of what you see in the office, it, it, it helps um, with the treatment and knowing how you can really help them. Um, and a good example that I've really seen um, was working with a, a pediatrics uh, physician in Dayton, Ohio, and the large majority of his patient population was, you know, African-American families. Um, and it's, it's the type of patient care that you don't really see in the hospital. Um, a lot of times because they don't have that confidence and that, that trust. Um, but you kind of realize that if a patient misses a, a appointment, it's not really that they didn't want to come. Maybe they just couldn't miss it. They had work. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can't just miss days when you want to. Maybe they didn't have the transportation to get there that day because a lot of these uh, clinics are usually like miles away from where they actually live. And just knowing that and taking that into consideration um, because you've lived it and you've seen it and you know what these families are going through is, is um, monumental. And we kind of shifted that into 3MDs and saying, okay, we're gonna take that same formula of, um, we have to connect with the people who have similar backgrounds with us and let them know that there is a path to get to where we are, right? And we didn't do this by ourselves. The information that we've gained from our mentors, we're trying to make it bite-sized and, and give it to you guys um, so you guys can see exactly what needs to be done. Not just me telling you how it's done, but your first seeing, we always go by this see, do, teach, right? First you gotta see it, then you do it, and you teach it to somebody else. So like, you're seeing three black doctors talking about where they are, right? We're telling you what we do, but now, most importantly, we're going to teach you exactly um, what got us to our point. And it's not saying that um, it's 100% correct, but if you can take our experiences and kind of mold it into your own, um, you can get here. Because I never thought that I would be here, you know, um, until somebody had belief in me and showed me the way. I think it's important for us to do the same. 100%. I mean, I think of the lack of representation I saw coming into PT definitely made me a little wary of just like, can I do this? Can I not do this? How patients can respond to a black PT. Mm -hmm. And I'll have patients who are black, you know, um, say like, I think it's great that you're doing this. You're the first black PT I've ever worked with, um, PT student that I've ever worked with. And, um, you know, keep working hard, keep doing what you're doing. And it's so rewarding to hear that, to be like, yeah, okay, like, people are happy that we're doing what we're doing and, you know, adding more representation. 
Um, and one thing you did talk about is access, which I think is extremely important because a lot of the times, a lot of these you know, specialty clinics or what have you aren't located in places um, yeah. where a lot of the African-American communities or underprivileged communities are. And so they have to, they have to travel a lot further than maybe other people do. And then they also might not have the transportation to do that. Yeah, um, and that's things. That's something you see, kind of countrywide in all cities. It's just like the access, the healthcare access, is just limited in those kind of poor uh, kind of um, areas. Yeah, and then uh, something additional I wanted to touch on. Um, like I said, I had worked on the admissions committee, and I kind of seen how hard you have to fight for, um, <laughs> like you to get in. Um, but I want to say that because the director of admissions um, is a mentor of mine. And a lot of times as when you get into these more professional fields, you feel like you have to kind of accumulate and uh, assimilate, sorry, into the role that you're gonna be in. So like, I know what the background I had, you know, I, I know the type of music I like listening to. And I feel like when you get into a space where many people don't listen to that or don't have the same cultural backgrounds or whatever, you feel like you have to kind of mold into what um, they, they look like and just fit in the crowd. Um, and he always used to tell me, he was like, do what got you here. Like, if you listen to music while you study, then like when you're in medical school, listen to the same music while you study. Like, don't switch up the game. Like, um, the blueprint is there, right? Like, what you did got you into medical school and you did well. So just don't switch up. And I think not only does that make you a better student, but it's going to make you a better doctor because you're not shifting your view of um, the type of the care and the patients that you want to treat. You know, it's you're able to keep that and embody that through your work. And I think that was one of the most profound things I heard through here. And I always keep that to my heart. And I always try to tell people the same thing. Um, just stay true to who you are and whatever gets you to the point that you are, make sure you keep doing it when you get to where you want to go. Yeah, I think that definitely speaks to making sure we don't attribute certain, you know, personalities or cultures as successful, right? right. Or unsuccessful. So someone who, who listens to hip hop, that, that doesn't mean they, they have to be unsuccessful. That has nothing to do with their educational level or their ability to be a doctor or a physical therapist or anything. And so making sure that we stay, yeah, we stay true to ourselves and we don't try to assimilate to a, a kind of a normalized standard that is you know, typically more white um, right. saying that, okay, yeah, that's what this amazing doctor looks like and that's what he likes to listen to. That's what he watches. That's what he does for fun. So then I'm gonna try to be that person. But then you're letting letting go, listening to hip hop, or you know, playing basketball, or, or what other yeah. things you like to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. Uh, what you guys are touching on is uh, it's super cool and super important. And I think like um, the mindset of people is um, they look at um, you know people in the medical field as um, you know a certain thing. It's it, it's a cookie cutter kind of um, put everything lumped into a box. Yeah. But what um, a lot of times people aren't realizing that we're just people. Like we we have different likes, we have different interests. Um, you know we all grew up different, like uh, different areas. Like some people might have been wealthy, some not as much. Um, but that doesn't discount the fact that you can be a very hard worker and you can achieve amazing things. Like mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of the problem, and I love that you guys are really uh, pushing the mold forward on that uh, that idea and that aspect. Um, and I, I just think it's really awesome, man, what you guys are doing, for real. Appreciate it. For sure. All righty, so we're uh, pretty much getting to the end, and uh, one of the last questions we uh, we like to ask our guests is, um, 
what is something that you uh particular that you do to to stay fit and stay in shape is there like mm-hmm. a certain regiment you're on or anything like that or anything I mean, cool? you, saw, you know the muscles huh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let them out <laughs> let the gun show out man <laughs> um, now i think going through my first two years um especially in new york um, i ran a few like half marathons um with my boys and that was kind of like a, a, a study break in a sense you know um, i felt like um putting on your headphones and being able to to do that for me was like almost like therapy you know just run get, get your mind right and then come back and, and handle business but i think now that i've transitioned and obviously i'm not living in new york no more and i'm not gonna run down these dayton streets um <laughs> i actually live next to a, a, a ymca um literally you can see it outside my window um, and that helps me because, you know, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., I can go right outside and, and check in right before I have to go to work at maybe like 6 or 7 um, and, and get it in there. Um, and just taking classes, like, those are things that really hold you accountable. Like, I never was one on big on, like, taking classes. Like, I'm taking a biking class now, you know, like, on, on Wednesdays, um, Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, and that just helps me. Like, I know I got a ton of stuff to do throughout the day, but even taking that one hour to myself to make sure, I stay healthy and, you know, my, my body stays right. And I don't tap into the dad bod too early before I have to. <laughs> Bro, it's, it's, it's in now. It's, it. it's in, I swear. <laughs> yeah, you can make it work. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Trev, we want to just thank you again for being a guest. I uh, love having you on. I know our listeners are going to get a, a lot of uh, useful information out of this interview. So thank you again, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you guys, man. This has been uh, great. So I like what you guys are doing. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Elevated Performance Podcast. If you had a good time, please subscribe, like, share, and review on your podcast listening platform of choice. We can't wait to show you what we have going on next week. But until then, make sure to elevate your game.